Hey friends, this is Josh Blair and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you could check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. And uh, I want to introduce a very special guest, my friend, Dr. Reverend Dave Haas. He's not a doctor, but he is a reverend. Such an overseller Um, (laughs) already. (laughs) Of the well Madera here in town. And uh, Dave and I have become fast friends since we moved uh, it back to Madeira. Our wives were actually in the credentialing program together at Fresno Pacific, and they were best friends. And we figured, hey, they have good taste because they chose us. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should become friends too. And we did. And I want to add, because I know Faith will appreciate this, that we also got to move in the same neighborhood, mm-hmm. which we chose first. That's true. I will have you know that. But then you guys found your way into the neighborhood before we did. So a yeah. little bit of jealousy, a little bit of competitiveness there, but yeah. just well, wanted to clarify. You know, we see something good, yeah. we take advantage. <laughs> we just go right. straight in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we weren't taking the whole first shall be last mm-hmm. thing. I mean, we were, actually. We were last in buying, first in moving in. So yeah. actually, that worked for us. Yeah. <laughs> and you were first, yeah. and you moved in last. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I thought mm. this morning... Uh, as we jump into Mark chapter 12, that it would be good if we changed up the, the setting a little bit so that you don't get tired of my voice and my preaching all the time, because that can happen sometimes, right? Never to you. Yeah. Uh, but... I've never heard that from my people, ever. <laughs> yeah. Just but... every other week and every other email. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So I thought, well, let's sit down and we can discuss and have a dialogue mm-hmm. over the scripture And uh, what better way to dive into the parable found in chapter 12, verse 1, than to have two pastors talk about it with different insights and see what the Lord will reveal to us. And so um, thanks again for joining us. And uh, let's pray as we jump into the word today uh, that God will open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and to understand what he's speaking to us, to equip us for the good work that he has prepared for us. So let's do that now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to come to reveal the word and and Jesus to us. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, now to manifest your presence here. We know that you're everywhere at all times, but we ask that we would feel your presence and know that you're here with us, revealing to us, Jesus, as we open up the scriptures. God, come and move in our homes where we're watching. Uh, If we're outside or in our cars, God, that the spirit of the living God would fill that place because we've already created an atmosphere through worship for your presence to dwell and that you would do it now. Speak through Dave and I this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 As we were speaking about earlier before we started recording, you said you might have read the Gospel of Mark (laughs) once. Just once. Just one time. So I've actually, I've got a few questions for Mm, you because mm -hmm. I I haven't been around. Um, I have watched some of the messages on YouTube. I've really appreciated your oh, shirt a few weeks ago. I will have you know that. Church, you know what shirt I'm talking about. But I do want to be caught up on a little bit about just this series in Mark and just kind of a little bit about the gospel itself, kind of where you've been, some themes you've been walking through. So tell me, I guess just first of all, before we launch into this specific passage, uh, what the gospel of Mark's about and some main messages that you've seen yeah. in Mark. Yeah, so initially we started the Gospel of Mark last year in September and October, moving through the first eight chapters in eight weeks, technically nine weeks. And just seeing that when Mark opens up, 
the gospel, he's saying this is the testimony of Jesus, the Son of God. Mm -hmm. That's the main theme of Mark. He's wanting to reveal to us who Jesus is, and he says it right from that. Actually, once he makes that statement, he doesn't actually say it anymore. Mm -hmm. He is just now giving us evidence and mm -hmm. proof to back up that statement. And so, so last year, September, October, that's what we were hitting really hard. Mm -hmm. This is who Christ is. This is what he can do. This is how he does it. This is how he demonstrates it. So then after, after chapter 8, Peter says, you are the Christ. The first time that, that a human says, you are, mm -hmm. the, you are the Messiah, and his, his disciples. After that point, point everything speeds up from mm -hmm. there. And, and now it, he's on the way to the cross. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at chapter 9, chapter 10, where Jesus is really focusing on, I am going to the cross to pay mm -hmm. for my church. And this is what I want my church to look like. Mm -hmm. This is what I want my disciples to look like. And so the main theme that we've been looking at is uh, service, humility, mm -hmm. the first shall be last, the last shall be first, not, a, not seeking places of power and authority, mm -hmm. but, but looking for places to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allowing Jesus to use us as his disciples wherever he sees fit. And so that's, that's been the major themes because as we go from 9, 10, uh, we, I preached chapter 11 actually when quarantine began. Mm -hmm. I felt like we needed to have some transfiguration moments. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then now, so, yeah. uh, so we're jumping past 11 now, going into 12. But we really mm -hmm. looked at this idea that if Jesus is going to the cross to suffer mm -hmm. and die and be the example of, uh, of a servant who lays down his life as a ransom for many, then why do we believe it will be any different for, for us as mm -hmm. his disciples. We follow the teacher, and no student is greater than the teacher. Mm -hmm. So we have to then say, what does a life of, uh, look like uh, as followers of Jesus where he says, you're going to have to humble yourselves. And when mm -hmm. humble, we, we kind of talked about it last week, but humility and suffering are, are interrelated. Mm -hmm. And it's going to cause us to, there are going to be moments where we're going to have to suffer to the point where it's going to cause us to be humble, and that's going to be a hard thing for us. Mm -hmm. And so that was some of the major themes that we've looked at yeah. so far. Can I, just as you're talking about that connection, I never thought of that, the connection between humility and suffering. What are some ways, maybe even over the past couple months, you've seen your church have to take that posture with whether it's wearing face masks or how yeah. we respond to this update and what the church should be doing? How have you seen the church just respond to kind of this call to humility and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, in the world, we've, we have two pandemics going mm -hmm. on, right? Yeah. The pandemic of coronavirus, the pandemic of racism. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you believe there's a systemic issue mm -hmm. or not, there are people who in this country have been suffering. And so for some of us who, are, who don't know that, don't, know, don't have that experience, right. we have to humble ourselves and say, maybe I don't have all the mm -hmm. right answers. Or maybe I know I have the facts right, mm -hmm. but those facts are not going to help me in this situation to love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. So instead of being someone who like says, this is how it is, and this is what it's all about, <laughs> and, you know, and this is my freedom to breathe dirty air if I want to, yeah. like all of these things, saying, no, what does it mean to say I'm going to submit mm -hmm. myself for the other? Mm -hmm. And that's, we even talked about that when we put on masks, because initially we, we understood that masks don't keep other particles from coming in it just keeps mm -hmm. our particles from getting out mm -hmm. and so that is a that is a way of demonstrating that i'm caring for the other mm -hmm. i am wearing a mask not for my own self-care but for the care of others mm -hmm. that's a place of humility you know and um, it's a hard thing to do mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, I notice I'm not wearing a mask right now with <laughs> yeah, you, Dave. So I, I, do I really care? <laughs> do you care about this other right here? <laughs> uh, I, just another part of that that I was thinking through is, is I know we're going to be launching into to Mark 12 here yeah. and moving into an idea of parable. And yeah. so tell me a little bit about, have you guys talked about what the idea of parables is? Sure. What's, why does Jesus use so many parables throughout the Gospels and his teachings? And um, why doesn't he just tell us what he means? Like, yeah. why doesn't he just straight up say, here's, here's what your takeaway, right? Your three sure. points of application. Boom. Why does Jesus use parables? Yeah, I think it's interesting that you point that out because as preachers, we want to make the word mm-hmm. as clear and as yeah. concise and as poignant as possible to our listeners mm-hmm. so that you know what we're talking about and you can live it out. Mm-hmm. But Jesus... He, he didn't make it so plain and simple. And there's a couple of reasons. So if you look at the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, they talk about Jesus saying he taught in parables to make the hidden things of the kingdom clear and revealed to others. But in Mark chapter 4, which we talked about already, is that Mark says Jesus hid those things so that those, though they see, they won't see. Though they hear, they won't hear. And so it's this idea that Jesus is saying, I want to put something out there that people are going to have to dig for. They're going to have to really search after because they might think they understand what I'm saying and that might cause them to turn a walk away from me. But those who are really desiring a relationship, those who are really wanting to know what it means to be in relationship with Christ are going to push past some of that stuff. It reminds me when Jesus has this huge crowd come out and um, they're like, feed us. And he's like, you're going to eat? You're going to eat my flesh? You're going to drink my blood? And they're like, deuces. Yeah, we don't that's, know that's an awkward, what yeah. you're talking about. And then <laughs> yeah. he turns to his disciples and says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, yeah. where else can we go? Mm-hmm. Who else mm-hmm. is there? So it's this idea that sometimes when Jesus preaches in parables, he's looking for those who will say, maybe I don't fully understand, but where mm-hmm. else can I go? Who else is there to turn to? You're the answer. You're the, you're the solution. So it's not so like, it's just the idea that Jesus, you know, people, why wouldn't God just open up the heavens and say, here I am, I'm real, right? Because there would be no choice after that. You would (laughs) see it and be like, oh, okay, well, there's a God, Mm -hmm. and he just ripped open heaven, and he's talking to me. But those who are really wanting a relationship and really willing to pursue and have faith to seek after, the parable creates that atmosphere, that's what I think. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you think? You're, you're a brilliant scholar. What do you <laughs> yeah, tell me? I'm something? here to ask questions. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it, it reminds me, too, of just um, thinking through another question of, it seems like in these parables, in these teachings, Jesus seems at times to be really patient and loving with most everyone. Mm-hmm. He kind of lifts the poor. He, he comes to, to set it free, those who are captive. Mm-hmm. But then he seems specifically in these parables to be really harsh with the religious. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, I, part of that, I think that they had, the, the religious leaders had been entrusted with the truth, mm-hmm. and they had distorted the truth to the place where those who were seeking couldn't find. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, you know, those who you turn out and you convert others, you have proselytes who come to the faith, they become twice as wicked as they were before mm-hmm. they ever came because you've perverted the truth of the yeah. gospel and the good news of what it means to seek after Jesus or seek after Yahweh, mm-hmm. the creator God. And so their, the, the responsibility was on them, mm-hmm. and they basically dropped the ball. And, I mean, when we translate that from, from Old Testament or even pre-cross religious leaders, and we now look at the church mm-hmm. post-cross, what we have been entrusted with, like what is Jesus saying to us as the church who he says, I have, I have given you my spirit, 
You are, you are my hands and feet mm-hmm. in the earth, and uh, what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. So there is this, there is this um, expectation as followers of Jesus that at some point we should be light in darkness. Mm-hmm. There are going to be times we have struggles. There are going to be times we mess up, right? But Jesus is saying, I have given you the power mm-hmm. to overcome. Are you overcoming, mm. right? So we have to have this, this resolve in us. And I was, I was telling uh, Sam, who is behind the camera, you guys can't see, but hi, Sam. He looks good today, by the yeah. way. He looks real clean, looks real fresh. Yeah. And I was telling so him... Yeah, he, I mean, he did all this, Congrat- yeah. and, and Faith did the lights, and so, you know what, we got a, we got a crack team back there, and they're amazing. But I was telling him, there's a song, it's um, My Worship, and in this, it's Leland is singing this. And is this the one that you said, the, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it'll be better. It'll probably be better. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that what one. I said. Okay. I said, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't yeah. know exactly what he said, but I think my translation yeah. will be good. Uh-huh. Um, and he, basically, he said this, that my, my life is Christ's reward mm for suffering on the cross. Hmm. And I thought, man, it hit me so heavy. It's like, am I, is my life, hmm. if, somebody, if somebody to look at my life, they would say that he is living a reward out. He is, he, hmm. is wor- he is demonstrating a life that is worthy of Christ's suffering. Hmm. That's huge. That's a hard hmm. thing. I mean, that's a big thing for me. But I think if I can look at my life and say, I want to live my life so that I can present it as a reward to Jesus hmm. for the way he lived his life sinless, went to the cross, resurrected and ascended. Mm-hmm. Can I lay my life down? Mm-hmm. Can I get to heaven and lay down the crowns of victory that I have been able? Because he overcame, I can overcome, and I have the freedom of mm-hmm. sin. So that, that's kind of, you know, that, that hit me mm-hmm. so heavily. And uh, I forgot the, the question, but I just kind of I started well, going let's off. Let's keep running and, with it because I forgot it too. But it reminds me of Paul's words later on. He talks about this idea of filling up what is lacking in the afflictions mm, of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that one's just always bothered me. It's like yeah. there's nothing lacking in what right. Christ has done. The work is finished. He's done it for us. Um, but as you dig in, you kind of find the common themes of what Paul's about is Paul literally believes he's participating in the story of Jesus. He's reliving or reenacting the crucifixion and the resurrection of Mm, Jesus. mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm hearing you say is that's what it means to be light and darkness or or salt in this world is is to say, man, I get to join and and kind of continue on what Christ started. He finished the work, but now I live out the reward of that. And the reward of that is through my own, going back to humility and suffering, through my own humility and suffering, I'm participating, I'm reenacting the example of my Savior. Yeah. And through the promise of resurrection to come. And so, yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. I love so, that thought. Uh, it's just... So, yeah, I, I, I remember the question now about... <laughs> if I talk long why, enough... Why, did Jesus, why was Jesus so harsh on the religious leaders? And it's yeah. because of the weight of responsibility that we've been given. And so um, hmm. we, we need to live that life of understanding that we have responsibility. And, you know, those of you who are watching and, and listening right now, that, that's not something to discourage you. That's something to encourage you that Jesus has empowered you to overcome, live a life that's victorious, but doesn't mean that you're going to live a life of ease. But through your suffering, through, through the trials of your life, when you have victory over them, it's a testimony for the, all of those who are around you that when you're still standing, when everyone else is falling, when you're not crumbling at the weight of, of life, that, that Jesus will receive the glory. And people will turn and say, how are you surviving this right now? And you can say, because I know the one 
who paid it all for me. I know the one who gave his life so I can stand. You know, so, so it's this idea of like Jesus saying, look, there is a huge uh, responsibility for you as followers and as Christians in the world, but I have not abandoned you. I've not left you. I am going to help you. Just don't run and seek the ease and comfort. Understand that I'm in the suffering. I'm in the pain. Mm-hmm. I'm in the humility and the humbling of it all. Mm-hmm. So that you will, as, as people look to you and say, how are you, how you're doing this? You, you'll be exalted and Jesus will therefore be exalted mm-hmm. in our lives. So. And it seems like Jesus is doing that in this parable. We're going to get to, by yeah. the way, get to my microphones to two pastors, and this is what happens. <laughs> How long are we going to preach? We one? will get to Mark twelve, um, and uh, so yeah, it, it seems to be he. That's what Jesus is introducing, even through this parable, is you're part of a much bigger story, yeah. a story of suffering, and 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 Jesus is going to insert himself, of course, as the main character in suffering, mm-hmm. but showing that he even comes from a long line of that as well. And so it should be nothing new for us, right, right. to participate in the story of Jesus is is going to be this. It's the call, um, but there's so much reward and beauty in it. And yeah. So should we get to the text? Let's go. For it. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Mark 12, 1 through 2. Are you going to read it for us? Uh, Sure, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, Starting in verse 1, And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. So, Dave, let me ask you this. If you read, I, if I get to I read it, I a question written down first. If I read the text, yeah. I get to ask questions. So All let me right. ask you this question first, okay? Verse. So why, yeah. why did the man who planted the vineyard build a fence? Why did he build a tower, a watchtower? Can yeah. you tell me? That's a great question that I wrote down. It's and true. That you stole that. I know me. I did. Uh, yeah, and I think what we're going to see as we move on through this parable. And uh, that's the beauty of parable is, is this symbolism that's tied to it, that's reflecting that we, we hear this great story, but then we find ourselves in the story, but we even find even more so, okay, who, who is God? What is he like in this story? And, and what we see Jesus kind of symbolizing, this is who God is and what he's like. I think right out of the, the bat, if we think of, of God as someone like this man who plants a vineyard, he puts a fence around it, he digs a pit for a wine press, and he builds a tower. The first thing that I think ought to be triggered in our mind is we think, okay, if this is representing who God is and what he's like, then we understand that God protects his investments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which, by the way, That's is a great note answer. of yours that I just stole from you. <laughs> so you're welcome. That's, That's a great awesome. answer. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm going to read verse 2 Okay. Uh, so that I could ask the questions. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him, and they beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. Hmm. And, you know, the uh, kind of question that came to me right away just reading these couple verses is, so this master plants a vineyard, he protects it, he's made a great investment, he hires somebody, these tenants, to now take care of it and tend it to produce a harvest. Mm-hmm. How did they so quickly lose sight of their position and their responsibility in this task? Yeah. How did they lose sight of that so quickly? Yeah, I think... So what we've looked at in Mark is that you're familiar with the Markian sandwiches where he, where he, uh, he's trying to illustrate a main point and he'll surround uh, the bulk of the story that he wants us to look at with mm-hmm. supporting texts that kind of help uh, illuminate what's happening in the middle, just like a regular sandwich. Yeah. And so if we look at the scriptures, the passage right before this parable, Jesus' authority is being uh, questioned mm. 
by the Pharisees. They come up and say, how are, how, you know, what, under what authority are you doing all these things? And Jesus then turns on them and say, well, let me ask you about John the Baptist, right? So he turns it on them. He won't, they won't respond to him, so he doesn't respond to them. But they're questioning his authority. And you ask the question, how do we get, how do these tenants get to a place where they thought they owned the land and they owned the fruit and they owned the harvest of this? I think when we forget the authority of Jesus, we forget the authority of God, that he is the creator of all things, he's the owner of all things, then we can begin to uh, elevate our own status Mm -hmm. through the pride of life, uh, through lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life, we elevate ourselves and we tend to think that we are the possessors of all that we see. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, then we alienate ourselves from the creator who says, I have authority. I set Mm -hmm. all this up. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I am protecting my investment, but I'll also I, I lay things out the way that they should be. And what, is, what does humanity do? Comes in and always destructs and distorts mm-hmm. the thing that God prepared to be bountiful and to create a harvest. And so I think when we, when the tenants, and I, now I say we because I, I'm, we're alluding to the fact that we are the tenants in this mm-hmm. story. Uh, when we lose sight of God's authority and who Jesus is, who God is, then we run the risk of not only uh, alienating God from ourselves, but also pushing away those messengers that God would send to us to redeem us back to himself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just seems like it, it could really go one of two ways here. And putting ourselves in the story, it, it seems like what an opportunity they missed as mm-hmm. tenants. Because if, if you look, it's the generosity of this planter of the vineyard who goes, finds them, invites them into his vineyard, take it, take care of it, produce a harvest. Like he invites them into this partnership, yeah. this relationship. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe they were jobless. Who, you know, we don't know the backstory for yeah. these, these characters, but we do know they got invited into an opportunity. Right. And if they saw it as an opportunity, at, if it, it began in their mindset as this is a gift, like I just got invited to take care of this. Mm-hmm. I have a job now. I have a responsibility. And most likely we'll get to enjoy the harvest right. with, with the master who hired me in here. Yeah. They and missed I, that opportunity. And I want to, to point out, too, in verse 2, it says that he went to, to retrieve some of the mm. harvest. Not all of it. Yeah. Hmm. He wasn't trying to take all of it from them. He said, just give me my portion. And they mm, were unwilling to give him the portion that belonged to him. I mean, how often do we do that? Mm. We struggle even to give our 10%. We struggle to even be more generous than that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like God is saying, look, I have just, I have given you all of this thing as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Would you rob from me even the small portion I want? I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's again, the arrogance of pride or the, even the, the potentially they could have been thinking, well, if heat comes and takes, we won't have for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so there is this juxtaposition of yeah. like, how do we do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in whatever way, there was either fear or there was mistrust of mm-hmm. the master. They didn't trust that he was going to be for their benefit, and they neglected his authority, and it screwed everything up. Yeah, it was a misunderstanding of what their, their boss might be like. Right. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Uh, you want me to take verse 4? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head 
and treated him shamefully. Mm. Now, we made a note of the word shamefully, yeah. and it reminded you of a story in the Old Testament that I think you should tell us a little bit about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a funny story. It's a, it's I mean, a it's a funny story. story. I can't believe that was the first one that came to your mind off yeah. of this observation, but it made me really happy, so I want to hear the story. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so uh, I mean, if you're out there wondering how, did, how are we so on point with each other, <laughs> Well, we have a shared doc, and we were typing yeah, notes back right. and forth and stuff. And I've so, blown our cover. Like yeah, so it's we're not reading sure. each other's minds yeah. or anything like that. It's not like uh, this is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to sit here and read <laughs> each other's minds. But um, no, so we talked about shame and what does it mean to to shame? And so the idea of if you shame the servant, mm-hmm. you are shaming the master. Mm-hmm. Especially in that culture, yeah. right, where honor and shame were, were huge. Mm-hmm. We don't have that kind of culture in the United States, so we might not fully understand that. Mm-hmm. But in Scripture, if you would shame those who were sent, the messengers, you shamed the one who sent them. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me of this story when there was a neighboring king, and when David was king of Israel, and there was a neighboring, neighboring king who had died mm-hmm. and had treated uh, David with some respect, and so David wanted to, to pay his respects to the family and to their kingdom, and so he sent some messengers there as a way to, to honor and, and show that he's grieving and he's with him, he's mourning with him, and this king who passed, his son takes control, and um, when he sees these messengers coming, he doesn't believe that they're there with good intentions. Mm-hmm. And so what he does is he shaves their beards, which is a great dishonor to them. I mean, men should have full beards. And everyone said amen. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I don't you feel know. excluded. <laughs> Thanks for having me at Central Valley Church. It's an <laughs> honor to be here. It's a yeah. dishonor and shame culture here you know, at Central Valley yeah, Church, you know, evidently. I, I didn't shave your beard. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so he, shaves the, he shaves their beards, and then he cuts their robes off just above their waist. <laughs> so that's the part that you thought I was just, funny. So yeah. He, yeah, so imagine he cuts the, the robes off and sends them walking all the way back to Jerusalem. I mean, the, and, and the idea, too, is when, if you cause someone to be naked, it's such a great shame mm-hmm. on them. And so these men had to walk beardless and naked from the waist down mm-hmm. all the way back to Jerusalem. And it was a disgrace to David, which David would not let go. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to remember this. Like, how dare you treat my messengers this way? Mm-hmm. And so when it says that they treated the, the, the messengers of the men who owned the vineyard shamefully, mm-hmm. beat them over the head, they were, they were dishonoring and they were shaming the master or the one who sent them. Mm-hmm. So now, now there's a, you see the transition there. Now that there's not just a, um, a misunderstanding of authority, mm-hmm. now there is a revolt against. Mm-hmm. And I think in our culture we see that. When we misunderstand who God is, mm-hmm. when we don't know who, is, who he is and authority mm-hmm. in our, in our, in, in his place in our culture, in our lives, in our society, in our homes, marriages, and all throughout then our misunderstanding of who he is will then eventually turn to a revolt and a rejection of. Mm-hmm. And I think that we see that partially in this parable where, where they are now, now they're turning and they're trying to shame the one who's sending the messenger. Mm-hmm. Which at this point, I imagine if you're walking through the text and we're four verses in, if, if you're like me and in my reading of it this week, I begin to think, well, how many times is he going to do this? Yeah. Like, at what point does he begin to sense the trends that's going on here? So verse 5, he sent another, and him they killed. Mm-hmm. So it's escalating. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He keeps sending them. And so I just, I just had to, by this point in verse 5, just ask the question, 
man, doesn't the master know? Doesn't the owner of the vineyard know? How many times will he keep doing this? How many chances do the tenants get? Uh, maybe even we take a step further, he seems somewhat naive and even gullible mm -hmm. if we're looking at the story so far. How many chances are they going to get? Right. I, I th it's, a, it's a challenging one, but I think if we, you had mentioned later on about reckless, mm -hmm. reckless love and, mm -hmm. right, you know, the conflict between people are like, God's not <laughs> reckless, he's calculated. Yeah. And, That's, you know, be honest, when I first heard the song emails, too, I was like that too. That I was in a worship yeah. service once and I was uh, at college and they had a yeah. chapel and I went and they started singing. It's the first time I heard it and I was like, I can't sing this. Mm. This God's love's not reckless. Yeah. And then when you turn around and you look at it, you're like, oh, no, wait, from our perspective, it seems reckless, mm -hmm. but from his perspective, everything is calculated. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. he, knows, he knows exactly what cost is being paid, yeah. and he's willing to do it, mm -hmm. right? And so it seems reckless, but he's a, he's a compassionate, loving father who is seeking to redeem those who have re who've revolted against him. And if we understand this concept of suffering and humility and what it means to live this life like if we're believers we understand that when we die we don't we it's not the end of us it's just the it's just the um transference from one place to another mm -hmm. so the death is not the final say and so potentially we could look at this and say how could god keep doing this mm -hmm. how could he keep sending messengers when he knows they're going to be killed and he's like that's not their final destination anyway mm -hmm. it gets better from there anyway yeah. but so i'm willing to send they're willing to go because no one sends somebody who's not willing to go mm -hmm. right god doesn't send people who aren't willing so they're willing to go because they also understand mm -hmm. what's on the other side of that as well and so when we look at this and we look at the nation of israel we see god do that with all his mm -hmm. prophets and all yeah. those who he sends into them because he loves them mm -hmm. and he cherishes them and even though they're in rebellion against him he says i love you i want you and I'm willing to send those out mm -hmm. so that they potentially would have hope for some of you to come back mm -hmm. to me. And then verse 6, he takes it a step further. Because mm -hmm. I like what you said about even just using the reckless love song of our perspective versus his perspective. Because mm -hmm. five verses in at this point, I, I'm thinking, church, I mean, come on now. He has given them chance after chance. He's, waste, he's burning through his servants at this point. Right. Like He knows what the end result's going to be. And yet, verse 6, it says this, once again, from his perspective, not ours, he had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. Mm. So, uh, yeah, at this point, once again, kind of going back to from our perspective versus from his perspective, why does the master now have the willingness to send his own son at this point? Yeah, well, I think one part part of uh, of this that I want to make clear to is that when Mark was written, it would be uh, read aloud mm -hmm. to everyone who was listening. Yeah. And so when Jesus is telling this story and he's saying it out loud, it's, we have to understand how shocking it would be mm -hmm. to say, and yet there was another. And the hearers would be thinking, another servant, mm -hmm. another messenger, and these, uh, yet there's another, his beloved son. There would be like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that on this side of the cross, as believers, we, we don't fully feel the weight mm -hmm. of a father sacrificing his son, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we think, yeah, we would never do it, but God did it, and we're so grateful for it. But even in their culture and what where they would be hearing Jesus saying, this would be absurd. Mm -hmm. This is like absolutely not. This is in no way 
shape or form would any master, any person who has seen these rebellious people, would he send his son? Like, no way. So it reveals to us, as some scholars say, the absurd charity Mm -hmm. of God. That he, since he knows the end from the beginning, he understands what it's, what it's going to take. And he's, he's calculated. He knows exactly what's going on. But for us, we're just like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of what we would see there, mm-hmm. even as we were hearing it for the first time. And yet there is another, his beloved son. There would be just like, wow. Yeah. It, there's, it causes the shock factor that we mm-hmm. should all still have yeah. as believers. Having gone through the, the series of Mark, um, thinking back all the way to chapter 1, do you see Mark specifically here using the phrase beloved? Mm. Do you see him, like, tying some things together there with what he's doing? Because, I mean, does that add, you mentioned the shock value, right? That, yeah. that feeling of, like, no way. No way would he, he sent these messengers, these prophets. He would send his son, his beloved son. Right. What's Mark doing there with that language? Yeah, I mean, if you if you if we go back to when he, when Jesus is introduced as you know we, the the baptism mm-hmm. and the heavens yeah. are ripped open. I love that language. Yeah. It's not just like opened yeah. so that it could be shut again. Mm-hmm. It's ripped so that it can never be mm-hmm. shut again. It cannot That's be good. repaired. You know. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is the beloved son. And even yeah. in the transfiguration, this is my son. Listen to him. He's beloved. Mm-hmm. This is the so Mark is making these connections throughout out the gospel saying this is jesus he Mm -hmm. is the beloved he is the prized Mm -hmm. one that that is going to suffer for Mm -hmm. us and where we should we should highly esteem him and prize him for who he is and what he's about to do that's good it's that phrase i if i can just share with you church it resonates with me because it was a turning point in my walk with jesus Mm -hmm. it was back to mark one that Mm -hmm. phrase Jesus comes up out of the water, as you mentioned, that the heavens are torn open. I love yeah. that imagery. And he talks about, this is my son, my beloved son, whom I love and I'm well pleased. And that, I was in a, in a pretty tough time in my life, and I had had a very harsh kind of understanding of who God is and what he's like, probably very similar to these tenants who are like, God's coming after me, and he just wants stuff from me. He just wants me to produce things for him, and hopefully I do enough that mm-hmm. like we're good. So I probably had more of like a tenant type picture of who, who my boss is. Yeah. It was that phrase in Mark 1, beloved son. And then I kind of tied two verses together as the first time it like popped for me of like, whoa. Second mm. Corinthians 5, 21 says that God made him, meaning Jesus, his son, to be sin yeah. for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that tells me that, that I get to share in what Jesus has, mm. because he took my place. Yeah. And then Mark 1 says that the Father's looking down, the Spirit rests on Jesus and says, this is my Son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. First time in my life, my walk with Jesus, I, I began to comprehend, just surface level, that God is a Father who's pleased with me. Wow. He's proud of me. Yeah. And I, I'd never thought of God that way. Yeah. Never. So that, that phrase, beloved son, completely changed, at least for me, has begun to move God from a picture of a boss to a father. Yeah. And a father who could look down and say, that's my son. Mm. I love him, and I'm pleased with him. It was the first time I could ever even begin to think kind of like that, almost felt heretical thought mm-hmm. at that point, that like, God is proud of me, mm-hmm. that just was mind-blowing to me. Yeah. So that's the reason I, I, I just grab onto that phrase, beloved son, because, man, there's some, 
There's some gold there. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting down with you, and we were at Starbucks uh, when they would still let us sit. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had told you that, like, I began to practice this where I'm having conversation mm-hmm. with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it, as, as followers, we long for the day when we get into his presence in heaven where, we say, where he says to us, well done, mm-hmm. good and faithful mm-hmm. servant. But I would never think that he would say that right yeah, now. Yeah. I always thought, he's holding out until I get there finally. <laughs> right. And I was one day praying, and I remember I was like crying mm-hmm. and weeping. Lord, I said, I, want, I just want to do well. I want to be a good husband. I want to mm-hmm. be a good father. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good worker. I want to be, I want to, mm-hmm. and he says, you, you are doing well. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I heard that in my spirit, and I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I couldn't imagine that he would say something like that to mm-hmm. me in these moments where it's like he is pleased with us mm-hmm. because when he looks at us, he sees his son, mm-hmm. he sees Jesus. And so there is this like aha moment, mm-hmm. I think, that we all need to have as believers that yeah. when we're pursuing him, it's not mm-hmm. this pursuit after God who desires to be mm-hmm. distant. And how long are you willing to run? How far are you willing to go? How long, how, how, mm-hmm. how, how hard are you willing to struggle to get to me? No, it's like, it's like a father who sees his babies take a, their first step. It's mm. like, wow, congratulations. Ah, yeah. oh, wow. You're yeah. doing it. I <laughs> yeah. love you. Let me yeah. pick you up and swing you around. But for some reason, we yeah. have this mental picture of God saying, like, not good enough, not fast enough, not far enough. <laughs> yeah. Keep trying. I'm over here. You know? And he's not that yeah. way at all. He is close. Yeah. He is close, especially to those who are brokenhearted and hurting. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the suffering and the humility picture plays such a beautiful role because mm-hmm. it reminds us that Jesus is close to those mm-hmm. who are hurting, you know. And so I think, yeah, the tenants were like, we don't know this God. We don't trust this God. Mm-hmm. He wants everything from us. He only, he wants my money. Mm-hmm. He wants my goods. Right. And I have to just keep performing for him. And that's mm-hmm. not God at all. God's mm-hmm. like, I have already blessed you with these things. Just remember where it came from mm-hmm. and give honor where honor is due. Mm-hmm. And so I think we just, I mean, we'll, let's keep reading. But okay. You started to preach. I'm, no. I'm feeling it I, right know. I was like, we could, we could stop at verse 6 right there. Because <laughs> I do, I want to highlight what you said. What you said was so important right there, that, that difference between, I think so many of us feel like if we do enough good things, then we get to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And we can't wait to hear that in person with Jesus. But the thought that, he could be, and he is saying those things about you right now right. Yeah. as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, to truly believe that, um, that in Christ you're righteous and he's pleased with you. That Otherwise, your understanding of God like these tenants as a boss will lock you up for years. Yeah. It will lock you up into a, a place of fear and perfectionism and never being good enough. So, before I start preaching, verse 7, but those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will finally be ours. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about heir and inheritance, and um, yeah, tell us a little bit about, uh, yeah, what, I, I guess as I was looking at this verse, I was thinking too, what if they hadn't killed these servants? What if they hadn't killed the son what might have been the owner of the vineyard's relationship with them or partnership with them? What could have it looked like? But, yeah, tell us a little about what you saw there in verse 7 and, and um, what you see going on with heir or inheritance. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at Mosaic law or Hebrew law, you don't, mm-hmm. there's not anything in there that says that if there's no heir, the tenants 
inherit those things. And so what I think is interesting is that God had gifted humanity earth to care for and steward it all along. And all that we've ever done with it is turn it into a place of violence. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's ironic that... um, that they they thought the their end goal would have to be murder and and killing to get what they wanted and that's not at all what they needed to do but to submit to the to the owner to the creator to the master and all of those things would have been added to them already and it just was this this um, their error and their revolt against mm-hmm. God caused them to have blood on their hands mm-hmm. so I think that's part that's part of the issue there yeah. And then, you know, in verse 8, we kind of latched on to this, this language of they took him and they killed him and they threw him out of the vineyard. Mm-hmm. I think Mark's doing something there. Yeah. That, that, that language, that imagery of being out of the vineyard, you know, you see that all the way back in the book of Leviticus where the sacrifices were taken outside of the camp. Later on in Hebrews, you'll see the same language. What do you think Mark's doing with that imagery of the son being taken and thrown out of the vineyard? Right, so I think he's he's smart and he's re- he's tying all of those things together. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he didn't yeah. just start. Oh, I'm gonna write something and just start <laughs> writing stuff out. He he calculated all of how he was gonna portray it and picture it. And and Jesus, as he tells the parable, mm-hmm. is knowing what he's come to do. Mm-hmm. And this idea that he's being cast out, he's being taken out from amongst the people. This imagery of that as Jesus is casted out for us, mm-hmm. we are grafted mm-hmm. into him, and so. You know, Jesus was cast out of the presence, not only of the, the people and in the, mm. the community, but even from God. Mm. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that because sin was upon him, God had to turn from him so that we would never have to have God turn from us if we are in Christ. So there is that, that connection mm. there that he's going all the way back to the sacrifice yeah. that would be happening for the people, for the forgiveness of their sins and revealing it that it's through the death of the son that we would have the inheritance, mm-hmm. which is ironic because that's what these people, the tenants, are trying to get for themselves. Right. We'll kill him and we'll have our inheritance. Mm-hmm. And they, they are, there's this like, picture that Jesus is playing with there mm-hmm. that's saying that through my death, you actually will be mm-hmm. inheriting the kingdom, but it's going to have to come through submission to mm-hmm. me and to my will. That's good. And then in verse 9, uh, we begin to see Jesus ask and answer the question, so, so what's the response of the owner of the vineyard? What's he going to do? Uh, he's sent servants. They've been beaten. Some of them have been killed, shamed, sends his own beloved son, killed, thrown outside the vineyard. Mm-hmm. What's the response? And at this point, I, you know, I'm thinking, imagine the anger. Imagine the rage, the wrath, the grief, the brokenheartedness of not just an owner of a vineyard, but a father mm-hmm. who has lost his son to these, these tenants. And so Jesus says he will come and he will destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others, is what it says in verse 9. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you see going on in here in the, the owner of the vineyard's response. Right. Um, what do you see here uh, just in, in the act of justice and the act of um, just the response that we see of the owner of the vineyard yeah. here. I think historically, if we look at how the church has interpreted this, mm-hmm. we look at it as the transference from the Jewish people being carers yeah. and guard, guardians of the word and, and, and representing God in the world to now the church, mm-hmm. right? They rejected, they rejected yeah. God, they rejected Christ. Now it has been given to us. 
And so this idea of, okay, when we read this parable of the tenants, Jesus is only talking about the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. They screwed up. Mm. We never will. We never have. (laughs) And we always get it right. And so I think God is, uh, through this parable, Jesus, as he's talking, is painting a bigger, Mm -hmm. broader picture of saying, it's not just about the nation of Israel, which they were blessed mm-hmm. to be a blessing. And instead of being a blessing and creating the house of prayer for all nations, mm-hmm. they pushed nations out and said, this mm-hmm. is ours and ours alone. And mm-hmm. so he's saying it's not just for them, but it's for the entire world. God has given the world mm-hmm. for the people, for humanity to care for. And it's not done that. And now he's entrusted the church mm-hmm. with it. And if we have the same mentality um, as the tenants then we can run the risk of also missing the purpose and the calling that Jesus has called us to. And so this is not just a parable for the nation of Israel. And we say, yeah, see, look at them. (laughs) They messed up. (laughs) Right? Because if we know our history, we know that that throughout history, people use this scripture Mm -hmm. to do atrocities to the Jewish people and say, see, they deserve Mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. They deserve punishment because of what they did to Christ and we are in the right and they're in the wrong and that's Jesus is just saying to the religious leaders those yeah. who have been entrusted with the goodness of God to reveal to the world which is now us he says there is this responsibility and if you think that you are in charge yeah. of it and that you hold the power yeah. you are wrong yeah you've missed the plot you've, of the mi- story, you've right? missed it all together yeah. and the sun has no significance in your life mm-hmm. and you're you're thinking uh, I could, if I could have my life the way I want it and get Jesus out of the way mm-hmm. and he, yeah, he, oh, he's, he's God. He's, he's God. He's, he's the savior. He's, oh, he's good. He gives me grace, but he's not Lord. He's not authority over our lives. Mm-hmm. Then we have removed him from the seat of authority and we run the risk of living like the tenants who think yeah. everything is ours and we don't have to give anything to God. Yeah. I like your call to, it's a personal responsibility, even in a larger story, right? Yeah. It's, and so, you know, if you back up, you look at the larger story, you see what Jesus is doing so cleverly here in his storytelling is he's going all the way back to the garden. He's going all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 where God planted humans in the garden and said, work it, take care of it, partner with me, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, right? So partner with me, be in relationship with me, manage this, steward it, Mm-hmm. And there will be great reward I'll share with you in this partnership, right? Like yeah. we get responsibility. We get to create as our creator created us, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's our role. We get to be like these tenants. And yet, um, what do we see over and over if we're willing to take personal responsibility is every single one of us has destroyed and harmed God's good earth rather mm-hmm. than managing it, taking care of it, helping people and places around us flourish Instead, what we've done is, is we've harmed the people and places around us out of a selfishness of entitlement. This is mine. This is my life. This is my breath. This is my time. This is my mm-hmm. money. And uh, we see this story over and over in our own lives. So, yeah, how dare us point the finger at a, at a people group and say, well, they, they messed it up, but right. we're getting it right. And so here Jesus kind of, he, he punks us all, really, but especially the religious, and all <laughs> of us have that religious in our heart, but I love this line in verse 10. Have you not read this scripture? Which he's talking to a group of people who pride themselves in having memorized and meditated on. And by 12 years old, they got this thing locked in. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus is telling them, have you even read, have you even read your Bible? Right. <laughs> you know? And uh, he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Uh, tell me a little bit about 
the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You say there's a little bit of a play on words there. Yeah, so in, in, in the Hebrew, uh, uh, the stone is eben, hmm. and son is ben. Mm-hmm. So, so Jesus has just talked about they rejected and killed the beloved son and, mm-hmm. and threw him out mm-hmm. of the vineyard. And then he connects back uh, to the scripture and says the stone, the Evan, or and so the hearers of that would have heard the connection between the the, chief, the stone that has become the cornerstone and the son who is the foundation of life, and he would have they would have heard like he is connecting these dots for us, and he's tying this scripture back to the son and who is the son but the one speaking to us, and so they would have known yeah. the scripture, and he's trying to give them a roadmap to himself. He's saying you reject the stone. You reject the son. Hmm. I am the son who is your foundation, and yet the reason you don't have foundation to stand on is because you've rejected me. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful illustration that, that Jesus is saying to them, and the hearers of that, I mean, some of, we lose that beauty mm-hmm. in the text of, because of translation. We don't see those connections so easily, so clearly. Mm-hmm. But as the original audience, the, they, they would have heard that and would have made the connection. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow. What a beautiful thing yeah. that Jesus is, even as he's rejecting and he's, and he's rebuking the religious leaders, he is trying to give them a roadmap to, mm, to the Son. That's good. So even as he's saying, yeah. you don't understand, if you knew the one who mm-hmm. you were speaking to, right? Yeah. If, you, if you could see, if you could understand, mm-hmm. if you could perceive, then you would understand who I am mm-hmm. and you would not reject the stone the, the sun. Hmm. That's such a good connection because on a first like read through, you're like vineyard, you know, that's going on. And then we're talking like a stone and a cor- it seems like a big leap. Right. But when you show us that word play going on there, it's like, oh, what a brilliant yeah, connection. Beautiful. I love that language. If he's providing a roadmap for him, you know, your Bible, right. make the connection. Like mm-hmm. I put it right here in front of you. Make yeah. The connection. It's literally one yeah. letter difference. <laughs> You know your Hebrew. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. And so then verse 11, so this was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Mm. Um, and, and in verse 12, they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people. Yeah. So you see their response, their reaction, their yeah. knee-jerk reaction here. For they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they do perceive that. Right. They do catch on to that, at least. They don't connect the dots, but they like, I think he's picking on us. So they left him and went away. So I'm going to, why don't you take us home here? Sure. I'll, I'll be yeah. quiet. Preach well, it. I, I initially, I mean, we go, we go back to the purpose of parables. And in Mark 4, he says that though they see, they don't understand. Though they hear, they, they have mm-hmm. ears to hear that they don't really hear what's going on. They don't understand it. And so we even see that with the religious leaders. They perceive that he's talking about them, but that perception does not lead them to repentance. It leads them to murderous rage. Mm-hmm. And so they see, but they don't see. Mm-hmm. They hear, but they don't hear. And I think that even as, as uh, people in our world today, we can tell them who, how much Jesus loves them and that his grace is for them and he can forgive them of their sin. And if they don't turn from their sin, there is eternal punishment awaiting for them. And they can, they can hear us and say, how dare you? How dare you say that I am not living right? How dare you say? And there can be this pride wall that lifts. Instead of saying, oh my, if you're right, I need to turn to Jesus but the, the, the religious leaders have this arrogance of pride of saying, oh, what did you say about my mama? You know what I mean? Like this, uh, excuse me? How dare you talk about me like that? And instead of recognizing, oh, wait, 
If we can see ourselves as the tenants, why can't we understand that God is good and he actually wants to bless us and he wants to bless us through the son, but they don't see that. And so, so Jesus is revealing a truth to them, but those who are willing to seek it out will receive it. And that's the same for us today. Like we can hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus, who Jesus is, the son of God, came to die. He lived a, a sinless life, died a sinless death for us so that we could have eternity with him, that we could live in his righteousness and his hope and his freedom from sin and overcome the powers of darkness. And we can hear all those things, but if we don't understand what that means for us today, we can be like the religious leaders and turn away from instead of running towards. And I believe that that's what Jesus is wanting us to see so clearly through this parable. I mean, we, it, sometimes when we read parables, we're not going to fully understand everything that's going on. There might not all the pieces right. might not all match up for us, right. but we can see in this parable what Jesus is really trying to say to us, saying, look, I am, I am, the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one who is sent to bless you, to restore you, to redeem you. Look to me and allow me to do that in your life. And, and that's really what I see that the, the Lord is doing there. So do you have any, anything you want to add to that? <laughs> When you're ready, I'd love to pray for us. Okay, yeah, that's beautiful. I just want to, um, I want to make sure that uh, as, as followers of Jesus, we don't lose sight of God's ownership and authority in our lives. Mm-hmm. I want us to recognize that God, uh, he owns it all. And, and even though you're, you're, you might be struggling right now, you might be going through some hardships, a lot of us are going, with this pandemic going on, and there's so much unease in our nation and we think is God in control can I tell you he is still in control Jesus is still on the throne he still has the authority and we can look to him and say God I submit to your authority I submit that the fact that you are sovereign that I I understand that there is a God and I am not him I recognize who you are God and I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to run after you and as believers of Jesus, I want to make sure that we, we recognize our place in all of this. That Jesus came to show us a better way. And, and that we don't have to get things through violence. Mm. That we can actually receive things through humility and service mm. of others. And as believers, we need to carry that posture and understand who God is and the authority he carries as creator God. And as redeemer of all humanity. And for those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, I believe that this is a moment right now, if you're watching, that, that Jesus is saying to you, I am the way, the truth, and the life for you. And you under, need to under, understand that I have the authority. Now you can reject the authority and pay the consequence. Or you can submit to the authority and receive the blessing of knowing Jesus and being a part of the kingdom of God. And right now is, is your chance to receive Christ into your life. And so I just want to pray for those of you who are under the sound of my voice right now to have a relationship with Jesus. And it's very simple. If you'll just bow your heads, close your eyes with me right now. Just say this, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I submit to your authority. Come into my life. Transform me from the inside out. Forgive me. And cleanse me. From this day forward, I will live for you and I will submit to your will and to your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to hear from you. We have an e-connect card link right there that you can click on. It says that I prayed that prayer and so that we can connect with you and help you. This is the beginning of a journey pursuing after Jesus. And we do that together as a community. And we seek after him together. And so I want to just encourage you there. And then, Dave, I'd love for you uh, to pray for us yeah. to seal out this time. Pray for those I who are watching. I stole in there and took it from me. but I No, 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 no. Okay. I wanted to let you pray. <laughs> right. And uh, pray for those believers. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. I trust All you, man. Right. So I love you. So why right. don't you close us out? Father, we love you. Uh, yes, what a joy, what a privilege to be with Central Valley Church this morning. Yes, and uh, to get to hang out with my brother, my friend Josh. I'm just so uh, proud of him and Faith and the leadership team here and just what they're doing to love people so well. And uh, Lord, I pray for every person this morning that has submitted their life to your authority, to your lordship, that they would know, and I, this goes for all of us, that we would know that to submit our lives to your authority, your lordship, your kingship over our lives is not to submit ourselves to a demanding boss, but a good father, yes. a father who looks down on us and says, this is my son, this is my daughter, my love, and I'm well pleased. And I pray for those who need to hear that this morning, that yeah. they would know as they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, their sins have been washed away. Yes, They're living a life of reward, the reward of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that right now, Father, you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Keep being faithful. Keep going. Yes, Keep doing what you're doing. I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. And so, Lord, we're proud of, of Central Valley Church. We're thankful for what they're doing to love this city and, and this valley and, uh, Lord, I'm just so grateful to be here hanging out and, and learning from, from my friends here. We love what you're doing. May we know as we submit ourselves to your lordship, your authority, your kingship, that we serve a good Savior, a thank good you, King, Lord. a good Father. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with us every step thank of the you, way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, it's so grateful to have, uh, we're so grateful to have Dave, the big dog, Haas, with us. Uh, this morning. Dave, if they want to watch any of your content, where can they find that? They can find I that. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, Facebook, I think it's YouTube. No, it's com. good. There's, good <laughs> there's some good stuff. I think it's, you know what? Yeah. It's good stuff. I wouldn't so worry about it. We love, yeah. we love the well, uh, Madeira. We love you. We love Mel and yeah. your little ones. And um, you're such a blessing to yeah. me and to us. And so thanks so much for hanging yeah. out with us. You know, we might have gone a little long, but it was good and <laughs> yeah, worth it. Two so, hour sermon. Yeah, you know what? God bless yeah. you for sticking around. Sorry, guys. Recording crew. You guys do rock. So oh, that's good. So much fun. Thanks for All right. letting me hang out. Yeah, of course. We love you. Love you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. It helps us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.churchcenter.com for more information. We love you.